Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, and joining me on this very special edition of Half the Battle is Carlin Bardsley from the Parting Shot Podcast and Paul Shanassi from Bookie Beatdown. Carlin, thanks so much for taking the time, man. No worries, man. I don't get up early in the morning for just about anybody, but I did it for Dan Levi and Half the Battle. That shows you something right there. Yeah, well, I sincerely appreciate it. You are the man. And also joining us, Paul Shanassi from Bookie Beatdown. Paul, what's going on, man? Hey, man, uh, thanks for having me on again. Uh, always a pleasure to talk fights. I'm fortunate that we aren't able to battle about uh, Tony Ferguson versus uh, Khabib. I think that was the original plan when you put me on this, considering I'm uh, uh, a self-proclaimed, unwavering supporter of Khabib. But uh, we have a good night of fights, regardless. Man, I was really looking forward to that debate. And, you know, this is the second time in a row where I've specifically, you know, uh, handpicked my guests to pick fights. And two times in a row... Khabib, uh, you know, this time it was El Kukui who pulled out, but, you know, the Khabib fights just aren't working out, man. The high-profile ones, I don't know what's going on. Blood in the lung, holy shit. That's uh, that's no joke, so I sincerely hope that, you know, El Kukui is all good and he comes back 100%. So first up, we got Elezu Zaleski. He's a plus-130 dog. He's taking on Omari Ahmedov, who's minus-150. And Here's the way I look at Omari Ahmedov. Obviously, he's very talented, but if I had to rank him among the Russians, I'd actually put him at towards the bottom of the list, and I got so much respect for all the Russians. I mean, how can you not? They're very scary individuals. They'll, they'll circle around the ring, then they'll throw big bombs, then they'll slam you on your head, and uh, full mount you and pound you out. Now, the thing with Zaleski is he does have a capoeira background. He's got a good takedown defense, solid takedown defense. I know Dalby took him down a couple times, but as you saw in Dalby's fight with Cummings, I know he lost, but... Dalby's a tough SOB, and you know what's funny about Dalby on a side note? He should only fight in five-round fights because, I mean, that dude uh, can just go for days. But in terms of this matchup, you know, Zaleski is the dog, so I will favor him here because, I mean, Omari's coming off that brutal KO to the hands of Serginho Marais, who is also a badass in his own right. But as we know, you know, if you come back too soon from a knockout, it doesn't always go your way. And Zaleski actually looked good against Dalby, so I'm going to take him as a, a dog pick here. What do you think, Carlin? Well, I do love just the name, Elizu Zaleski. I could just sit there and say that all day. So while that kind of does put me in that camp, you said Omari Akhmedov is uh, you know, near the bottom of your list of where you rank a Russian. Being the least tough Dagestani MMA fighter still puts you head and shoulders above pretty much everyone else in the world. Those guys from Dagestan, they fight like they're going to be sent back to Dagestan. So just on that reason alone, I'm going to continue to back Omari Akhmedov uh, on this fight. Uh, sure, he does have the loss of Marias, but I'm pretty high on Sergio Marias myself. I think Omari Akhmedov can put it back together and come up with a W here, and I just don't trust anyone at high level who has a capoeira background. It's like, great, you know, I can dance too. Right. And, uh, you know, speaking of Sergin Home Rise, he's about to be a big underdog against Amaru Usman, so everybody look out for that. Now, Paul, what's your perspective on the first fight of UFC Tampa? Yeah, I'm with you in the fact that uh, I was pretty impressed by uh, Zaleski in his fight against Dalby. I, I was really high on Dalby going into that, and it was a hell of a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. I think uh, Akhmedov goes back to kind of his, his Sambo roots in this fight, though. I think he's going to use, he's going to go for the takedown. We look at some of his losses, and it's a Sergio Marais, who's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu whizzes teacher type of guy. He's such a high level. And then you got Gunnar Nelson as well. A lot of these guys going up against are grapplers. So he's not able to kind of use his full game, and, and he ends up in these striking wars with them. So, uh, 
I like I like uh, Omari Akhmedov. I don't know about laying the price. Uh, I don't want to lay the minus or the, the the extra fifty cents on the dollar here. Uh, from a betting perspective, I'm probably passing, but I'm picking Akhmedov to get the win here. Yeah, no, no doubt about it, man. And I got a question for you. Do you have any insight as to where he's been training? Because I heard Jackson's, I heard AKA. Which one is it? It's the uh, well, he's doing the KHK that uh, that what is it, Dubai or Bahrain camp? He, he was with uh, Makachev and Nurmagomedov uh, beforehand, and then they all went to AKA together to finish up their camp together. Oh, so, okay, I'm, so sure, I'm sure those guys are grinding hard on each other constantly. Hence why Khabib is constantly injured. Yeah, so he did go to AK. Interesting because, you know, he was at Jackson's at one point in his career. But next up, we got Cesar Mutanch. He's a plus-155 dog. He's taking on Uluwali, the Holy War Angel, Bang Bozdi, who's minus-175. Now, on paper, this seems a little bit too easy. It seems like, all right, well, he's going to knock uh, Cesar Mutanchi out in the first round. Now, my question is, what if he doesn't knock him out in the first round? You know, it, it, it's one of those things where it's like I'm not willing to ever lay that minus 175 unless it's like, you know, Tomas Almeida against Garbrandt, hint, hint, wink, wink. But, you know, in this specific spot, I'm not really willing to do that, even though I do think he will knock him out. Uh, I can check the round one prop real quick. Actually, it's not even out yet. And uh, no, inside the distance, no, it's not out yet. But inside the distance currently is minus 139. And, I mean, for me, like like you mentioned on that Omari fight, you know, you, you're, you're not willing to take that. 50 cents on the dollar. I'm not willing to take that 39 cents on the dollar. I mean, you know, it's a pass, but I do completely understand why everyone's, you know, backing Bang Bozy because like we like to talk about on the show, once you get knocked out, it gets that much easier to get knocked out again. Not only has Cesar Mutanch been shut off once, he's been shut off like four times. You know, Elvis uh, Mutapcic did it outside of the UFC, uh, CB Dalloway in the UFC, George Masvidal, and uh, there was another one too. And basically, Miles I mean... Alvey. Yeah, my boy. I just interviewed him on Half the Battle last week. He sent him flying across the octagon. And here's the thing, man. It's like, so is Oluwali going to knock him out or not? So, Carlin, is he going to knock him out or not? Short answer, yes. Longer answer, hell yes. And he is going to wind up touching Cesar Mutanchi at some point, whether it's in the first round, I don't know. And you said what happens if he doesn't knock him out in the first round. You exactly what happens, Dan Levi. He knocks him out in the second round. So that there, I just don't see any uh, any you know uh, advantage to picking Cesar Muchanche here. Uh, I would love for Cesar Muchanche to win this fight because I think Bangbosi has one of the dumbest nicknames I've ever heard in the Holy War Angel. I mean. <laughs> Uh, just religious names piss me off, so I really would love to see Cesar Ferreira do some damage here, but it's not in the cards. Uh, this is mostly all day. Yeah, and I mean, obviously the line speaks for itself. A lot of people are supporting Bang Bozi. Now, Paul, Cesar Mutanch has got to be super hungry. He's got to know if he loses this fight, he is getting cut from the UFC, so he's going to go out there and leave it all on the line. The question is, is leaving it all on the line enough, or is he going to get knocked unconscious? The problem is, is that the fight starts on the feet. He's going to have to approach. He's going to have to get into the clinch. He's going to try to take him down. All the while, Bangbosi is going to be, you know, throwing throwing leather and probably throwing kicks at his at his head. And we've seen this guy. It doesn't take much to shut him off. He's been shut up, as you mentioned before, four times. Like I, I like Bangbosi to get the win here. I will agree with you that this one does seem like it's too easy, but. Sometimes exactly what's too easy just, just comes through. But uh, obviously, Ferreira, if he gets this fight to the ground, we don't know what Bang Bosse has 
in that realm of the game. So, you know, there's obviously a chance this is MMA, anything can happen, but I think the safe pick and, you know, if you're if you're into DraftKings, uh, fantasy MMA and all of that, like Ben Bossy's got to be on your team. This looks like the, the one first-round knockout that looks like a, like a given. Yeah, Ben Bozzi should win. Keyword, should. Now, next up, we got Islam Mahashev. He's minus 190. The comeback on Drew Dober is plus 165. Now, the deal with Islam Mahashev is I'm not really sure what the deal is. You know, outside of the UFC on the regional scene, he did what Russians do. He throws you on your head. He full mounts you, throws big bombs standing. But in the UFC, it hasn't translated yet. I know he beat Leo Kuntz. But in that next fight against Adriano, who is the seasoned vet in his own right, and is also, you know, he's... He's getting some fanfare for becoming a Russian killer. He's been taking out a bunch of Russians left and right, and one doesn't simply take out a Russian left and right, and that's exactly what he's been doing. So, you know, you got to respect him for that, but in this fight, man, you know, Mahashev could get back on track. The thing is, Dober is super tough. He's super durable, so it comes down to, you know, can Dober stuff the takedowns? I know he's been training at uh, Team Elevation, you know, Matt Brown, a bunch of badass fighters over there, Neil Magny. And he's been getting in some good work. So it's a matter of can he keep this fight, you know, standing and kickbox with Mahashev. And also it's a question of is Mahashev as good as people are making him out to be because he's definitely a very high prospect. So I really don't know how good this kid is. I need to find out firsthand. Carlin, do you have any insight as to how good this kid is? Uh, I don't know a whole lot about him other than, you know, what uh, is available out there uh, publicly to watch tape on for me, this fight comes down to level of competition. When I see what Drew Dober has been able to do against a tough guy like Scott Holtzman, a win over Jamie Varner, that really kind of uh, steers me in the direction of Drew Dober. I know I said before how much I love the Dagestanis, but uh, I, I don't think that uh, Islam's game is quite rounded out yet. I think that you know he's going to get better. I just don't think he's there yet. I like Drew Dober in an upset here. Yeah, and I mean, we're always looking for underdogs. So, Paul, I mean, do you think that uh, Drew Dober is definitely a live dog here? Well, uh, look at what t-shirt I'm wearing here. I'm wearing a Khabib Nurmagomedov t-shirt. So I'm going to support his cousin, Islam Makhachev, in this spot as well. That fight against Adriano Martins, it was almost like he, he went in there, he's like, I learned all these new striking techniques, and he really wanted to put them to the test. It was the wrong guy to do that against. And he, he, was, he was looking actually okay on the feet, and then, you know, he just he obviously got caught against a much more refined and experienced striker. I think uh, Dober doesn't really possess the same uh, power. We haven't seen at least at the UFC level that, uh, that Martins has. Uh, give me Makachev. I think it'll maybe like a second-round finish, just kind of a, a straight-up uh, Dazakstani uh, mugging here. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see the possibility, but we can't discount the fact that he's coming off a KO loss because we don't know how he's going to react. We don't know if his confidence is shot. We don't know what to expect here. But, you know, he is a Russian. He is a skilled fighter, so he does have a path to victory. But like Carlin said, Drew Dober is a live dog. But uh, for me personally, I'm passing on a bet. I just want to tune in and see firsthand what goes down. Now next up, we got Michael Graves. He's minus 105, and Randy Brown is minus 115. Now, you know Randy Brown from Dana White's looking for a fight. Very long-range striker. You know, if you try to strike with this guy, He's going to give you problems. If you try to fight at range with this guy, you know, he's going to pepper you with his jab and his cross. The thing with Graves is 
He's not going to try to stand with him. He's going to close that distance. He's going to. I'm not going to say he's going to dive on the ankles because you know he's got good technique. He's going to mix his striking into his takedowns. He's going to grind out Randy Brown. And after the weigh-ins, once people see them, uh, you know, facing off and they see how much bigger Randy Brown is, that's when Michael Graves is going to become the underdog. That's when we snipe that underdog play. So you know. And we can also talk about the fact that Michael Graves is training down the street at my gym knuckle up, which is really badass. But, I mean, listen, when it comes down to making money, shit like that doesn't really matter to me. All that matters is who the fuck is going to win. I truly, genuinely believe that uh, Michael Graves is going to get the victory here. I do think he's going to grind him out. The fact that he's training at knuckle up, badass, great. That's a, that's a plus. You know, world-class uh, coaches, world-class training staff, just the way the styles match up. I think he's going to grind him out. What do you think, Carlin? I'm actually leaning Randy Brown in this one. I just like his frame a lot more for the division. I think he is going to be able to keep Mike Graves on the end of the punches. Graves, like you said, is going to be looking to get inside and get the takedowns. I think he's going to get hit too many times coming in. Uh, I like Randy Brown's win over uh, British Columbia's own Matt Dwyer, another Canadian out out there. But uh, no, I just uh, like you say, it's styles for me as well. I just read the styles a little bit differently. I can see Randy Brown being able to keep Michael Graves away and getting probably a decision victory. Well, that's definitely his path to victory. So, I mean, you know, if he wants to win here, that's exactly what he has to do. Now, Paul, I mean, are you taking Graves or are you taking Brown? I was really shocked to see that Graves opened up as a uh, minus 160 favorites uh, last night it was, and then... Over, over time, now we went to a pick him. Now he's like the slight underdog. I'm with you that by the time we get to, to weigh-ins here and everyone sees that, you know, Randy Brown is three inches taller than him and has a longer reach and yada, 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 we're going to get Graves at, at dog money. We haven't seen Randy Brown, what he can do on the ground. We know Graves, pretty well-rounded guy, but he's, he's going to go in there. He's going to take him down. He, he's, he's grimy in his, uh, in his pursuit of the takedown. He's going to get him down, and, I, and we'll see what Randy Brown has on the ground. And uh, if I'm going to get dog money on who I consider to be the better prospect out of the two guys, I'm going to go with uh, Michael Graves here. Yeah, and I will as well. So we'll see. May the best man win. Now next up, John Dodson. He's minus 550 to come back on. Manville the Anvil Gambarian is plus 425. And I mean, in my opinion, this is one of those situations where, you know, the line is a little bit steep, you know, and the fight will probably play out a little bit closer than the line indicates, but I still think the favorite should get it done here. You know, here's the thing with John Dodson. You know, watching his last two fights live, for me personally, I was like, wow, man, you know, maybe he's declining. Maybe he's got some issues mentally. He's not pulling the trigger like he used to. Then I watched that fight with DJ again. You know, first round, he's stuffing DJ's takedowns, and that fight was actually closer than I recalled. Watching it live, I thought it was a blowout, but when I watched it the other day, because, I mean, you guys know or admit, you're about to find out right now that next week I will be taking that shot on Henry Cejudo at plus 350. And, I mean, it's not just – I'm not throwing a dart. I, I really believe he's going to win. We'll see what happens there. It might be a stupid play. At plus 350, I'm willing to find out. Now, part of my reasoning behind that, I had to go back and watch the John Dodson fight. So, in doing so, I learned that that fight was a lot closer than I remembered, like I just said. And in this fight specifically, I mean, the thing with Manny Gamburian, yeah, he is bigger than John Dodson, but he's way slower. He's stiffer. I mean, he's uh, – the thing with him is maybe he could land that big bomb because he's actually fought as high as 185 pounds. I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, he knocked out George Santiago in like 20 seconds back in the day. So Manville, even though he's like five foot two, he can crack, man. But 
what's Dodson known for? He can crack too, man. So I just think the little bit of speed that Dodson has, will uh, he'll use that to his advantage. So what do you think, Paul? Yeah, I'm with you in the sense that Dodson's just so damn fast, and that's going to be the biggest issue here is that Manny Gambarian, even at 135 pounds, you know, or actually as he moves down, you know, at 155 pounds when we first, you know, encountered him at least in the UFC on the Ultimate Fighter, it was one of those things that, uh, you know, he was a little bit, he was a little bit quicker and, and obviously being younger. But as he's moved down to 135, like this guy's pretty slow and, and, and brooding in his approach. So it's going to be tough for him to keep up with, uh, with Dodson. Dodson's just a ball of energy. And I, I hate the line. I'm not going to be betting John Dodson whatsoever because there is the risk of him, you know, moving up and away, taking a guy who's fought much higher and is going to be, you know, it must be the first time that, uh, that our boy Manny Gabriel's ever been the biggest guy. Or in, in a fight, or at least by this much, but I just see Dodson being too quick to the punch, staying out of trouble, and probably picking up a unanimous decision victory. Yeah, so you're picking the UD. I mean, what kind of a chance do you give him to knock out Manny Gambrian? When's the last time Manny's got knocked out? It's been a minute, man. I mean, I know uh, Rob Emerson did back in the day and all this and that, but it's been a minute, as far as I can recall. You know, Jose Aldo, was that the last time he's been shut off? That's, yeah, that's the last time I can remember. It's been a while, and now we're down at 135. Power, as we know, as you move up in weight classes, doesn't really translate the same way. So uh, maybe maybe just in sheer volume, Dodson gets the job done and is able to, to shut him off, but... Uh, I wouldn't be banking on it for sure, and I, I see the props out there. They're pretty much, pretty much even. I just see a decision being the more likely outcome. Yeah, and you know we we lost Carlin temporarily, but hopefully he'll be back soon, and uh, we'll get his picks now. Next up, man, this is going to be good. Featherweight division. We got Cub Swanson. He's minus one twenty-five. The comeback on Hakran Diaz is plus one hundred five. Now Hakran Diaz, he's the grinder from Nova Onyao. Nova Onyao is known for. You know, they're big leg kicks, they're striking attack, and this guy's their grinder. That's why they're so damn good at the takedown defense because they train with this guy, Hakran, every single day. Now, the thing with Hakran, super physically strong. I mean, this guy, he bodied Darren Elkins. One doesn't simply body Darren Elkins. And if there's been an issue in Cub Swanson's game that we've noticed in his last few fights, it's that ground game. And, I mean, I noticed it in the Seaver fight. You know, I was there in attendance. And I was like, dude, I was telling my friends, like, dude, he's going to smoke Seaver. Like, we're, we're making jokes about it. That first round, Seaver takes him down, you know, passes to side control. I think he might have even had him in full mount for a second there. And I'm like, um, what the hell is going on here? And then he takes on uh, Jeremy Stevens, Cub does. Dude, I actually thought Jeremy Stevens won that fight. Call me crazy, but I actually think Jeremy won that fight. I thought he edged it out. And then uh, we know what Frankie did. We know what Max did. Props to those two studs. The question is, can Cub get back on track? Now, we know he can knock out anyone. My question is, where's his mindset at? Because in his last fight, you know, he was uh, training out of his basement with boxing coaches, and, and he didn't train any grappling at all. And, you know, in the corner, they're, they're yelling out, one, two, one, two. I'm like, this is an MMA fight, not a boxing match. But, you know, I, I hear he's back at Jackson. I hear he's taking it seriously. The, the question is, will that be enough to defeat a very strong Hakran Diaz? Yeah, strong and in, a, in an underrated hacker in Diaz. It's a it's a tough one, man. I'm I'm really kind of 
such a toss-up for me, just in the sense that you'll want to believe that uh, that Cub will get back on track here. Apparently, I, I was listening, I believe it was the Anakin Florian podcast. They had Six Guns Gibson on there. He was talking about Cub and how Cub has been taking his grappling, taking his wrestling really, really uh, seriously in this camp, not doing the same you know, setup to his camp that he had been doing in the past. He's he's more aware than anybody that, you know, in that fight against Frankie Edgar, that he just got completely grapple, uh, controlled in the grappling department that whole fight. And basically the exact same situation. Uh, you know, Max was tagging him up on the feet and then finished him up on the ground. I, I want to believe that Cub will get back on track here. I'm not going to be betting this one just because Hacker Diaz is such an underrated guy and there is a path to victory for him here. There's There's good... It's a great line if you if you like either side of it, but uh, I'm gonna have to pass a slight edge towards uh, Cub Swanson, just probably just because he's more of a household name, which is kind of stupid for me to be saying, but uh, it is what it is. Yeah, I'm gonna go on the opposite side. I'm gonna take a shot on the dog, one unit on Hakran Diaz. I just, you know, like I mentioned about that Seaver fight, that's when I first noticed that Cub was on that decline. Now you mentioned how he's cognizant of the fact that you know. He does have uh, holes in his ground game. I'm sure he is, man, but does that mean that he can stop the takedown of Hakran Diaz? Now, here's the deal. You know, as a betting man, I am going to be betting Hakran, and when I do, I'm just worried about the fact that he might be a little bit inactive. I, I have a feeling I'm going to be screaming at my TV, Hakran, throw, Hakran, take him down. But if he does what he's supposed to do, he will grind out Cub Swanson. But who knows? You know, this is the UFC. Anything can happen. Maybe we'll see a spectacular knockout from Swanson. But – in my opinion, I think he's getting grinded out. So we'll have to see what happens here. Definitely going to take all that shot. Go ahead. And all I'm saying is things haven't been going so hot for uh, for Nova and Yao in the last uh, in the last year or so. So maybe uh, maybe that's a sign of things to come. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're certainly right about that. Some of their guys, you know, haven't been looking as good. And, you know, it's interesting because – Maybe, maybe we can debate that a little bit because, okay, so Aldo and Burrell, they both lost to great champions and Conor McGregor and TJ Dillashaw, but then you got a guy like Leo Santos, and he looked better than he's ever looked against Kevin yeah. Lee. I mean, he looked like a world champion. He Not only did he take down Kevin Lee with a blast double, he dropped him with a big right hand. He takes the guys back. I mean, he schooled Kevin Lee. One doesn't simply school Kevin Lee. And also no. I thought that uh, Valmir Lazaro looked really good against Michelle Prezeres. I, I thought that decision was – very off. So, you know, even though there is that talk about Novo and Yao on the decline, I'm not sure how much I buy it. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, Leo Santos is a great example. That guy, that guy looked better. He did not look like the same guy that that had the uh, the draw with with uh, Norman Park way back when. That he looked completely different. We'd never seen anything like that from the striking game, and I don't think Kevin Lee was expecting that level of, uh, of striking from Leo Santos either. So he was making the improvements. I'm just saying now uh, maybe, there's, maybe there's something in the water down there. Things are uh, changing uh, changing down there. You know, I don't know. Maybe the, you've heard of, you know, Andre Pettineris. Uh, he, he wanted to hang him up. And I don't know. I don't know if uh, all is right in, uh, in uh, Brazil there. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that there has been a lot of changes in this sport. You definitely have to tune into to the weigh-ins and just make sure that everyone looks on point. The thing is, Cub hasn't looked on point his last couple of fights, but like we mentioned, he's focused for this one. He's taking it seriously. It comes down to, will that be enough on fight night? So we're going to have to find out. Now, next up, 
middleweight division, Santiago Ponzinibbio, minus 155, the comeback on court. I believe his middle, his nickname is the Crusher. McGee is plus 135. And, dude, I'll tell you what, Santiago Ponzinibbio really impressed me his last fight. You know, he's always been a really good striker, but he really looked comfortable and seasoned and was like, that was the starting point for what's to come ahead. And I feel like the guy's got a lot to show, man. I mean, dude, his striking looks so crisp against Stahl. And uh, now he's got a big opportunity in front of him. You know, Corbin McGee, he won the Ultimate Fighter. Here's the thing with McGee. Uh, my boy Sean Carey was talking about this on his podcast. You know, McGee truly believes that he's going to win. He, uh, I believe this is the 10-year anniversary of his sobriety. And when dudes really believe they're going to win, a lot of times they do win. Now, maybe I'm putting too much stock into something like that, whereas, you know, they're going to fight inside a, a cage. And, you know, your, your past life, maybe it matters, maybe it doesn't matter. But it's really tough to say, but I really do believe Santiago Ponzinibbio is the better fighter. He's faster. He's crisper. He's more technical. He's younger. He's fresher. And, you know, interestingly enough, a lot of people criticize tough Brazil, but uh, back on Leo Santos, dude, that guy is a fucking beast. Let me tell you the guys he beat on the Ultimate Fighter. He beat Santiago Ponzinibbio and Tiago Santos before he won the tough crown. So, I mean, the level of competition that season – was very high. A lot of people like to shit on the Ultimate Fighter, but a lot of great fighters do come from the Ultimate Fighter. If you go look up on Wiki, and you look up all the Ultimate Fighter winners, and you just go back and you uh, count down that list, I mean, you'd you, it'd be on less than one hand where you'd find a bunch of shitty fighters because mm -hmm. mostly they've actually been producing really good fighters. So who you got between uh, McGee and Ponzinibbio? Another, another definitely tough one. I agree with you in the sense that uh, I, I'm, all, I'm with you that uh, Ponzinibbio, I think, is the better fighter. He's a better striker. But uh, interesting little fact that you brought up there, uh, Sean Carey. Just like what we know about, about McGee is that this dude is not ever, ever going to give up. It is tough to get him out of there. He's a, he's a grinder. He's a crusher. The guy's freaking died and came back to life. So... Anything's possible with this guy. I don't really like betting against him here, but uh, it's really tough to pass up the, uh, you know, Santiago Ponzinibbio. I think he is the better fighter, especially especially on the feet. We'll see what happens if uh, if uh, McGee is able to take him down. But um, I, I would have to side with with Ponzinibbio. Just his striking, as you were saying, uh, looks really crisp. He got shut. He got shut off by uh, by Lorenz Larkin, but Lorenz Larkin is a He's a total killer at 170 pounds now, too. So I didn't really take much out of that. I like his aggressive style, and um, I just think it will be really tough for him to, to completely put Court McGee out. Probably a decision, but a violent one at that. Yeah, it's going to be an exciting fight. And, you know, once again, I'm not willing to lay the, you know, the 55 cents on the dollar. Right? You know, it opened plus 100. That was a good line. I missed it. So, mm -hmm. you know, it sucks for me. I, I missed out on a good line. I'm not willing to – you know, take that minus 155, that minus no. 160, that minus 170, because long-term, it doesn't pay. This one might hit, but long-term, it doesn't pay. Now, next up, Raquel Rocky Pennington. She's minus 230. The comeback on Betch Correa is plus 190. And, I mean, Pennington's constantly uh, the underdog, but uh, this time she's a big favorite. It's quite interesting. Now, you know, she's tough. She's rugged. She's durable. She's gritty. She uh, She's unorthodox. I really like Raquel. You know, I bet her in her fight against Holly. As a plus 450 dog, I was one judge's scorecard away from cashing a plus 450 dog against the former champion. That's how good Raquel Pennington is. Now, with Betchy, I don't really know how good she is because, in my opinion, 
I don't want to say she talked her way into a title fight, but she, you know, she beat like Jessamyn Duke and Shayna Baszler, and then she fought Rousey. So, I mean, we're talking about completely different levels of competition here. Whereas Pennington, like I mentioned, she arguably beat Holly Holm. Now, a lot of people think Holly won, and and she did win. She got her arm raised, but Pennington did a lot better than the line indicated. So, in this spot, I mean, it's a matter of are you willing to take a shot on Betch? And it's literally a shot because you have no idea what the hell is going to go on here. But I, I just feel like Raquel's the better fighter, man. And but once again, minus two thirty, I ain't I ain't touching that. Yeah, I hate to agree with you again, but yeah, that is the thing about it, is that I think this line when it originally opened was like minus one fifty for Pennington. I still wasn't even crazy about that. Now that it's gotten up to minus two thirty, like I am totally out on any sort of bet there. But let's like let's call a spade a spade, like. Jasmine Duke and Shayna Baszler, they basically just stood there and took the punishment from Kohea until they were able to uh, – until they basically had to give up or the ref stopped the, stopped the fight. When we saw her and her, her striking, she's so rigid and, you know, she just – she's not very well I, – I, I, I've heard that she's training at AKA now. I imagine that that's probably improved her, her game immensely. What type of improvements – Will those be? You can't bet on what you don't see, right? And so she's been spending all this time at AKA. Maybe she's made the world of improvements, but I can't. I can't take a stab on Kohea at what plus one ninety? Did you say? Yeah. Yeah, I can't do that for for that type of in that type of situation. You can only bet on what you know, what you've seen, and I'm not even too convinced that these improvements will be all that substantial to beat a really grind uh, grinding tough opponent Pennington who I think is kind of the most underrated fighter in this whole division yeah I agree with you there man and Carl and welcome back to the show man uh Betch Correa or Raquel Pennington yeah sorry about that guys I you know, my internet gets a little shaky here in Taiwan sometimes I don't want to blame the Chinese government but I have noticed that my internet has got a lot sketchier ever since I've been publicly advocating for Taiwanese independence so there you go <laughs> but uh, to deal with the topic at hand Rocky Pennington, I love her all day over Betch Goeo. Uh, Betch Goeo is just not all that great, in my opinion. Uh, she got hot, uh, you know, in the last little while because there's a lot of idiot wrestling fans that cover this sport and thought it was really cool that she was beating subpar uh, fighters that had a, a wrestling-based nickname. So that is really the, the best asset Betch Goeo has going for her. Rocky Pennington is a real fighter. We're going to see her stutter stuff. I still think she beat Holly Holm. So we're going to see Rocky Pennington do her thing this weekend. Absolutely. Mark it down. Yeah, and I thought she beat Holly Holm as well. Now next up, Benny Darius. She's minus 170. The comeback on Michael Chiesa is plus 150. You know I don't lay that minus 170 except for you know rare occasions. And this would be one of those rare occasions, but uh, you know I'm actually going to put him in a one-unit parlay because – this way, I don't have to risk the two units. I don't have to, you know, put two units to win like 1.2 or something. What I did was, I took Benny and Albert Tumenov, who's fighting on one of the upcoming cards, and I put them together, and it was like plus 100, plus 125, something like that. And I, I think I did it for one unit, one or two units, because you know that way we get the plus money, and I truly believe that both of them are going to win their fights. You know, Tumenov, I got a lot of respect for Gunny. He's made me money in the past. But uh, I think Tumenov's got this, man. Now, uh, as far as this matchup's concerned with Benny and Kiesa, very, very good fight. You know, Benil, I mean, 
He's been flying under the radar, man. He's been getting better every single fight. People don't give this guy the credit he deserves. You know, the Michael Johnson fight, that's a top five guy in the world. And uh, Benny beat him. I know a lot of people lost a lot of money on that. So, therefore, their, you know, their perception and their vision of that fight may be a little bit skewed. But I was there live, man. And, uh, yeah, it's funny. I was, like, probably the only person that thought Benny won besides his family who were holding that flag. But the thing is, let's put that fight aside. Michael Chiesa is nowhere near as fast as Michael Johnson. He's got a completely different attack than Michael Johnson. Michael Johnson is a very good striker, very athletic, very fast. The thing with Chiesa is he's going to give Benny the kind of fight he wants. He's going to get right in Benny's face. He's going to attack Benny. And uh, it's a matter of Benny not going down. You know, it, it actually reminds me of the Nijum fight. The one time that Benny did lose, he fought a guy like Chiesa in Nijum. You know, very tall guy who likes to come forward, who's you know a little bit sloppy, likes to get dirty, but is effective. I think Kiesa is a better version of, of Nijum, but I think that this time Benil will correct those mistakes and he'll capitalize on an opening because, like we mentioned, Kiesa, you know, he'll set up his strikes really nicely and then he'll shoot for a sloppy takedown. I think at some point in there, you know, Benny's going to take his back, maybe choke him out. That body kick's going to be very effective. If we've seen in uh, Kiesa's losses, he doesn't take the body shots too well. That kick from, you know, Benny and Master Hoffa, RDA, all those guys, I mean, that fucking switch kick to the body is just ridiculous. I do think that uh, at some point Benny's going to finish Kiesa. So what do you think, Carlin? Yeah, I'm sure I could add more to what you just said. That's pretty much how I see this going. I think Darius is going to be able to soften up Kiesa to the body. And when Kiesa starts to get desperate and you know, starts to shoot those takedowns, he's getting himself open for a knee or something else that is going to land with really, really ill intentions. You mentioned Kiesa's style. I think that's going to play into Darius's wheelhouse here. Yes, you know, he is maybe a better version of Ramsey Nijam. Darius, you know, working with Rafael Cordero, he's going to be able to spot those openings a little bit more. He's going to be able to counter a lot more effectively at this point in his career than he did in that, at that point in his career. And, you know, I, I got with Rafael Cordero's boy here. I mean, Master Rafael Cordero cannot stop talking about Benil Darius as one of the next great products coming out from under his village. I have no reason not to believe him. Give me Benil Darius. Yeah, and I absolutely agree. I mean, not only is he a world champion jiu-jitsu player, but I mean his jab, his knee, his leg kick, they're all on point. And I think they're going to be some big weapons in this fight. What do you think, Paul? Yeah, um, both of these guys kind of remind me of each other in terms of, you know, their skill sets and whatnot, but Darius is frankly just a little bit more refined in every single aspect of the game. I don't even think minus 170 is all that crazy. Kiesa likes to get the fight to the ground. Well, he's not going to submit Benil Dariush in this spot unless he rocks him beforehand. But how many times have we really ever seen Michael Kiesa display all that, all that much power in his career? So uh, on top of that, Kiesa typically makes, in his losses, he makes big mistakes. Like the uh, Masvidal fight, he was winning that fight. And then uh, in the second round, make, makes a mistake. I forget, forget off the top of my head and, and gets submitted. Um, his wins in the UFC, his most recent wins, uh, the win over Jim Miller, it's a very faded Jim Miller at this point in his career. I think uh, Benny using those kicks, as you were alluding to earlier on, can kind of keep him at distance. If he wants to take him to the ground, I think he's going to be better on the ground. Give me uh, Benny Dare, you shall be long. Yeah, it's just about, you know, don't go down, Benny. Don't, don't go down. As long as he doesn't go down, he's got this, because I really do not believe that Kiesa can, you know, out-position him. I know Kiesa's a very... Uh, deceptively strong guy. He's very physically imposing. A lot of people don't give him credit for some reason. Maybe it's the way he looks, but uh, dude's really fucking strong. The thing is, 
one isn't simply body Benny, especially in the jiu-jitsu realm, which is, you know, he's a former world champion there. So I do have him finishing Michael Chiesa. But I don't want to count out a guy like Chiesa. I know how tough he is. He's beat some really good guys. But uh, I, I got to go with Benny here, man. And definitely go back and check out my interview with Benny. Very interesting, insightful, intelligent dude. Now, uh, next up, Tisha Torres. Holy shit, she's plus 200. That's crazy. She's taking on Rose Namayunas, who's minus 240. Now, if this was a pick okay, maybe I can understand the case for going for Rose, but at minus 240 and plus 200, you take that shot on Tisha Torres. Look, from a fan perspective, I get it. Rose is more exciting. She goes for flying arm bars, flying knees, you know, this and that. She busts people up. Tisha is boring. I get it. You know, she only wins decisions, but the thing is, she knows how to win these decisions, and I've known Tisha a long time. You know, she used to train at my gym knuckle up. I've known her for a very, very long time. She's always been a winner. She's always been a points fighter, and she's always uh, known what she's good at. She doesn't try to do stuff that, you know, you're not going to see Tisha Torres go for a flying arm bar or any of this shit. You know, you're just going to see her do what she does, which is point fight. And I believe she'll outpoint Rose Namajunas, so plus 200. Let's get it, man. What do you think, Carlin? Well, I think back to their first meeting under the Invicta banner, and I think it was the summer of 2013. Tisha Torres won a decision there. And I look at the fighters that they were then and that they've become. Tisha Torres is a better version of what she was at that point. Rosemary Yunus, on the other hand, looks like a completely different fighter. She's improved by leaps and bounds. Uh, I think Tisha's uh, aggressiveness is actually going to play in, into Rose's favor here. I think that Tisha's going to just keep spamming those takedown attempts. And I, I like Rose off her back a lot more than I did back then. I think Rose Nayunas has evolved to the point where like, her and Tisha have kind of crossed paths uh, on the MMA radar, so to speak. I'm really, I believe, uh, thinking uh, Thug Rose takes the W here. I know Tisha at plus 200, you know, that's, uh, that's a tasty meatball, but I don't think it's going to happen, so I'm not going to throw the money away. Paul? Um, yeah, I'm going with, uh, with Tisha here. We've seen the fight before. I, I agree that, that Rose has made some significant improvements, but I think this line is, yeah, you were talking about earlier that, that uh, Rose is a lot more exciting in her, in her style and whatnot, but and, you know, everyone talks about that Angela Hill fight with Tisha Torres. And, oh, man, that's so boring. Oh, you know, Tisha Torres is such a crappy fight. It's just like this was a this was the perfect game plan for her against Angela Hill is go in, you know, shoot and take down. She's going up against another striker. So what I like about that is that Tisha Torres showed that she can have a game plan. She can stick to the game plan. She, she can have a game plan for a very familiar foe in uh, Rose Nevis and it's I see it basically as a pick -em. Their first fight in Invicta was basically as close as it gets. I was just watching it earlier today. But uh, you're going to give me two-to-one dog money on Tisha. I'm going to have to take it. Yeah, and I mean, I completely dropped the ball because I played it at plus 170. Now it's at plus 200. I completely underestimated the hype of Rose Namajunas. Now if she goes in there and she defeats Tisha Torres, hey, props to her, man. I mean, she has been quite impressive in her wins, not in her losses, in her wins. But, I mean, uh, I don't know. Plus 200, I'll take that shot. Let's see what happens. Next up, we got some can crushing. We got Khabib Nurmagomedov. He's minus 1,100. The comeback on Daryl Horcher is plus 700. Now, if I'm going to take that shot on Horcher, I need plus 1,500 at least. It's plus 700. So, I mean, I need more than twice that to take that shot on Daryl Horcher. I don't think he's got a chance here. He's got a puncher's chance. That's it. And uh, if you watch his fights, he's not good off his back. 
what's the one thing you don't want to be uh, against Khabib? You don't want to be not good off your back. And uh, he's going to get he's gonna get put on his back, and Khabib's going to full mount him and either pound him out or tap him out. Now, with Horcher, he does have one-punch knockout power. So as long as we get past that, we're going to beat this guy. Now, a lot of the debate is, is Khabib going to finish or is he going to go the distance? Because, you know, he has been a little bit of a decisionator, as they like to call Dominic Cruz. But the thing is, look at the guys he's been uh, decisioning. Rafael Dos Anjos, Pat Healy. You don't just finish those guys. Those guys don't get finished by anyone. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. I do believe Khabib Nurmagomedov will finish Daryl Horcher within the first two rounds. And if you give me plus money on the inside of the distance, I will take that shot. Now, Paul, I know Khabib's one of your favorite fighters, so, I mean, take it from here, man. Well, even on top of that, the uh, the fight against uh, Abel Trujillo between him and uh, Khabib, Khabib took him down, what, 19, 21, or a million a million times in that fight. It was a UFC record. But the, the funny thing about that, at the end of the second round, uh, Khabib uh, has him in a triangle, rolls him over, mounted triangle, goes for the arm part, goes back to mounted triangle, and the, the, buzz, the buzzer goes. So he was literally about an extra 10 seconds away. He would have finished off Abel Trujillo in that, in that string as well. And then... You know, everyone always brings up the uh, the uh, Gleason Tebow fight as well. Super, super close fight. I don't know if I agree with the 30-27s that he got across the board, but that's a different Khabib than what we've got uh, with us right now. I think uh, I'm nerv I'm nervous for my boy, but uh, I think Khabib obviously gets the job done here. They, you know, they brought him in. I like the fact that they're giving him, you know, a bit of a tune-up fight. Tony Ferguson was no tune-up fight. That's for damn sure. Um, but uh, I, I think the guy's the, the number one lightweight in the world for a reason. I just hope the same guy shows up that we saw two years ago. Yeah, now about that Abel Trujillo fight, you know, actually if you go back and watch it, the first half of the first round was actually pretty close. You know, Abel was actually, he was rolling out of those takedown attempts, kind of like El Kukui was going to do, but once he got tired, man, that's when Khabib set that record for most takedowns in UFC history. And not only that, you mentioned the triangle. You're 100% correct. He would have finished that, no doubt about it, but the buzzer rang. thing is, Horcher is nowhere near the wrestler that Abel Trujillo is, and I don't think he's going to you know, be rolling out of takedown attempts for the first half of the first round like Abel was. I think he's going to get taken down on the first attempt. So uh, you know, maybe I'm underestimating him a little bit, but I really do believe he will get finished in this fight within the first two rounds. What do you think, Carlin? Yeah, too much too soon. That's all I can say about Daryl Horner at this point. I'm for taking the fight on short notice. I know that there was not a lot of people excited about doing that. The wild card is the layoff. I mean, what is Khabib made look like once he steps in that octagon? But I got to think that uh, Khabib at even half speed is going to be too much for Daryl Horcher. Even though I got to give him props, he's got to win for my good friend Alicici on the regional circuit. But uh, yeah, this is Khabib's fight to lose. I mean, anything can happen. Uh, he could pull a Kevin Randleman and uh, backstage and his head or something. Uh, he could have a congenial heart defect as he's walking into the cage. But uh, by and large, I don't see any circumstances where Khabib loses this fight. Now, is uh, Ricci related to Mike Ricci? No, no, he's not. He's a good Toronto boy and a great Ontario product as well. One of those guys that always seem to be just under the level needed to get to, to the UFC. And maybe if Ontario and Canada in general had a better regional system, we'd have seen him there. Yeah, and you know, with Horcher, obviously we got to give him props. He's stepping up on short notice. But it's one of those situations where uh, 
you know, UFC called his bluff. You know, this kid was like, I'll fight Khabib, and, you know, he was kind of hoping that they wouldn't give him that fight, hoping that they'd just bring him in the UFC. But then they're like, all right, you want to fight him? You can fight him. And then it's like, oh, I didn't actually think they were going to give me that fight. You know what I mean? And uh, he's on Ariel Hawani. He's like, yeah, I'm 180 pounds, uh, you know, I didn't think I was going to get this fight. He he he's uh he knows what's going to happen. Khabib knows what's going to happen. Khabib's not fighting El Kukui, so I mean he's going to finish this kid. Now next up, I mean we got to skip Dan Hendo versus Lyoto because, man, it's unfortunate. You know when the news came out today that Lyoto popped, you know initially you know we we all jumped to conclusions. If you want to say you didn't, you're full of shit. We all jumped to conclusions, but then it came out that the substance he took was actually recently legal. But then it became banned. I mean, not legal. It was uh, not banned, and now it's banned. So it's one of those situations where he should have been on top of shit. He should have looked at the ban list. He should have, you know, contacted USADA if he had any questions. But uh, you know, what he took, just so everyone knows, it's not steroids at all. It's uh, something you can get over the counter at a GNC. Now, as far as the the other details, I can't comment. I'm not a doctor, but I will go as far as saying it is not steroids. It is not HGH. It's nothing nothing even close to that. So I wouldn't call Machita a Machita just yet. Now, we got to talk about this main event of the evening because we got Glover Teixeira. He's minus 220. The comeback on Sugar Rashad is plus 180. Plus 180 looks pretty nice, but the thing with Rashad is he has not been the same since the John Jones fight in ATL. You know, I saw that fight firsthand. Front row, great, great uh, performance by the goat, John Jones. But Rashad, or Hashad as they like to call him, has not been the same since that fight. He's been gun shy. You know, this is a guy that used to rely on his explosiveness, his speed. And what's the first thing to go for an aging competitor? Your explosiveness and your speed. You know, obviously power is the last thing to go. So that's why a guy like Glover, who is a little bit older, you know, it says he's like 37 or 38. Yeah, I don't even know if I buy that, man. He might be like 41, 42. You know how those uh, visa things go. And this is a guy with a long, detailed visa history. But with that being said, power is the last thing to go. So I, I do believe that, you know, the later this fight goes, the better it is for uh, for Glover. Because, look, in Rashad's prime, back when he was the fucking man, he would still gas out by the third round every single time. You recall the Rampage fight. You recall the Tiago Silva fight. You know, first two rounds, Rashad's a champ. Third round, that's when he gets teed off on. That's when he starts to slow down. Now he's uh, you know, going to split decisions with Dan Hendo. He's losing to Lil Nog three years ago. Three years ago he couldn't beat Lil Nog. So today, you know, I just don't see him beating Glover Teixeira. You know, last year he couldn't beat Ryan Bader, barely can beat Dan Hendo. Only real win in the last maybe four or five years is uh, one foot out the door, Chael Sonnen. And that's not to discredit Rashad. It just it is what it is. Now Here's what ended up happening for me as far as a bet's perspective. So, you know, I like to say don't play the chalk unless it's a lock and this and that. I mean, you know, that's just a nice little saying. There's no locks in this game. But I tried to apply that mentality to Glover because I really do believe he's going to win. So I put him in a parlay with John Jones when jo Jones was initially slated to fight DC. And then uh, DC pulls with a bruised foot. And now I have two units on Clover at minus 190, so I'm like, fuck, man. Because initially it was like plus 100. I was like, all right, I'm feeling that, but minus 192 units, I do not feel good about it at all. But I still think I'm going to cash. What do you think, Paul? An interesting thing about Rashad this week is uh, Robin Black and uh, John Paul from Fight Network, uh, where I work there, they had uh, a phoner with Rashad, and they were saying, well, how do you feel about going from a three-round co-main event to a five-round main event? And I imagine that they were probably expecting the, you know, the stereotypical, like, 
doesn't matter how many rounds it is, I'm ready to play, yada, yada, yada. No, no, no. What he said is, uh, it's going to be really ugly if uh, this fight gets outside of three rounds. So he's been training for a three-round fight. And he said, but I don't see a problem with that because I foresee uh, this fight not lasting even three rounds. I, I, I foresee it being finished. And the way I looked at it is, well, if anybody's getting finished early, it's probably you, Rashad. It's probably Glover, who obviously, as we know, has a whole boatload of power. He's going to get the job done. So that's a big red flag for me that Rashad doesn't even seem very confident going into a five-round fight. If he was going to win this fight, it's him outpointing and, uh, and grinding on, on Glover over a five-round affair. That's how I, I see it on paper, at least. So I'm, I'm definitely staying away from Rashad. I, I, I'm going to parlay up uh, uh, Glover. I'm not, not quite sure what I'm going to do it with yet, but, uh, but definitely Glover's my pick here. Yeah, I just don't think uh, Hashad wants it like he used to, man. You know, And like I mentioned, even back when he used to want it, that third round, he's already casting out. And you mentioned the fact that you know he's like, well, fuck, if it goes, you know, to the to the fourth and fifth round, fuck. I mean, at least he's being honest because that is the truth. Prime Rashad gets to the championship rounds. Forget about it. 2016 Rashad in the championship rounds. Yeah, I do believe Glover's going to finish this fight inside the distance. What do you think, Carlin? Yeah, I agree on that as well. Uh, just one point before I get into talking about this. You mentioned Machida. Uh, the supplement that he was taking has actually been banned since 2012 in the Olympics there, so it's not like it was a recent addition to the banned substances list. And Machida is also the third guy now from a Black House to, to pop out in the USAD. I uh, just want to throw that out there as well. But we can come back to that. Talking about Glover Teixeira and Rashad Evans. Rashad Evans, yeah, he's flat-footed version of his uh, prime self. And if you're a guy that relied so much on agility and so much on momentum as Rashad did, or if you're a flat-footed version of yourself, it's not a good scene for anyone concerned. Glover Teixeira, although they're roughly the same age, Glover Teixeira is a lot younger in in-cage years. He has not taken the beatings. He's not been down and had all the time uh, inside the octagon that Rashad Evans has. And his striking, I, I just think, is going to be the difference here. Rashad Evans, he's going to look like quicksand trying to get those takedowns off, and Glover's just going to be able to start pummeling him as he uh, uh, loves to do. Uh, yeah, if anyone's getting finished early, it's Rashad here. Glover Sierra takes a measure of revenge for Chuck Bell. Watch it happen. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just to comment on the Leoto thing, I actually, thank you for clearing that up because, you know, some people were saying that it was uh, not banned last year, and those people were, you know, related to Leoto's camp. So it's good to hear, uh, you know, you let me know that it's actually been since 2012 because I was unaware. Now, we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. Now, uh, let's go with the fight to watch first. So, Paul, what's the fight to watch for UFC Tampa? Oh, boy. Um, I guess... Khabib. What Khabib do we have? Do we have the world beater that, that beat the champion, dominated him two years ago? Is he going to be the same guy? Is he going to come in? I know it's going to be tough. Is that, you know, it's tough to really tell when he's taking on a guy that uh, you know is not at the level of competition that he was going to, to be. But you know, Khabib could be, mean a lot to this division. Uh, a healthy Khabib mean a lot to this division. This guy was thinking of stepping away from the game altogether, so... Uh, a dominant performance for him, and uh, poor Eddie Alvarez on the on the sidelines, maybe uh, waiting a little bit longer for his title shot. So uh, I'm gonna say Khabib. Let's. I'm sure the UFC is wanting to see a, a dominant Khabib coming back into the fold here. 
So Khabib's your fighter to watch. Now, Carlin, who's your fighter to watch? My fighter to watch is Santiago Ponzinibbio. For no other reason that his name is Santiago Ponzinibbio. That's it. I have nothing else. Uh, I just love saying the name Santiago Ponzinibbio. I can sit here and say it all day. <laughs> One more time. Santiago Ponzinibbio. <laughs> and you know, I like saying his nickname, Genchi Bola. I mean, it means like good guy, like gentleman. And uh, just the way they say it, you know, that Portuguese, I love how the Brazilians are so passionate, you know, just about everything. They're like, Genchi Bola. So, yeah, man, I got a lot of respect for Santiago. My fighter to watch is Benny Dariush. I mean, look, he's got a big opportunity in front of him fighting Kiesa. This is a guy who, you know, is relentless. He's gritty, durable, a lot of the same attributes we mentioned earlier. So if Benny can go out there and get that victory, I mean, you know, he might be on a collision course with his longtime sparring partner, Rafael Dos Anjos. So I know he's publicly said that they'll never fight, but uh, money talks, so we'll have to see what happens. Now, Paul, what's your fight to watch for UFC Tampa? Well, I think uh, the fight between Rose and uh, Tisha that, you know, the, the initial fight that they had in uh, Invicta was, was a real barn burner. It was a lot of fun. I think, I think we're going to see pretty much a, the same type, of, uh, same type of scrap here again. And um, it's good that, you know, I suppose the only positive that comes out of Machida versus Henderson being scrapped is that this fight's going to get a little bit more attention now. So, uh, yeah, Tisha Torres, Rose Navigator, should be a lot of fun. Carlin, what's your fight to watch? Yeah, I echo Paul's sentence there. Uh, Thug Rose and uh, the Tiny Tornado is the fight to watch. This has Fight of the Night written all over it. And, again, we're going to get that million-dollar question. Have uh, Tisha Torres and Thug Rose passed uh, places on the UFC acts of talent? We're going to have to find that out. But uh, either way, we're all winners because we get to watch it happen. Absolutely, and uh, my fight to watch is Cubs Swanson versus Hawker on DS. Look, both of these guys, whoever gets the victory here, they're going to really position themselves to take on a top 10 opponent next, especially Hawker on because, you know, he is coming off a couple straight victories. He did beat Darren Elkins, and with Cub, I mean, he needs to get back on track. You know, he's coming off two straight losses, in my opinion, three, because I did think Jeremy Stevens defeated him, but that was a very close fight. So the thing is, one guy is going to get a big victory here. So for that reason, Cub Swanson versus Hakaron Diaz is my fight to watch for UFC Tampa. Now I want to thank you guys so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. Obviously, you're welcome back anytime you want. Let the audience know where to follow you. And what you got coming up, Carlin? Well, you can find me at uh, itcage.ca. It's kind of my semi-dormant site, but every once in a while I get the hitch and it'll go over there. You can find me every week on MMAOddsBreaker.com. That is where you can find the Burning Shot podcast with myself and James Lynch. Uh, it's probably the best MMA show that you've never heard of. we got great guests. Uh, we try to ask questions, and it's a lot of fun doing it each and every week. And if you're on the Twitter, you can find me at Carlin Bardsley. We can talk about face punching. We can talk about beer. We can talk about Guns and Roses, Asian women, Bill Murray movies, and the Canadian political system. Not much else than that. I don't really know a lot about a variety of topics, but we're friend those six. I'm usually pretty good. So hit me up at Carlin Bardsley on the Twitter. Yeah, definitely hit up Carlin. Definitely follow and subscribe to the Parting Shot podcast. And also, Paul, I mean, you're the host of uh, Bookie Beatdown. What's coming up for you, man? Where can the fans follow you? 
Yeah, you can follow me at, uh, at Paul Shag, P-A-U-L-S-H-A-G, and you can follow the uh, podcast with myself and Cody Saftik, uh, Bookie Beatdown, that's uh, B-O-O-K-I-E underscore Beatdown. Exactly how it sounds. Uh, every week we go through every single UFC card. We, you know, we, we say who we're betting on. We say who our picks are, and we basically yabber at each other for about an hour every single week about it, and uh, it's a lot of fun, and... Uh, yeah, I think you can find me. Yeah, definitely check out the Parting Shop Podcast and Bookie Beatdown. I'm a hardcore fan of both those shows, and they're both great for what they do, man. And for all the fans that want to check me out, you can check me out on Twitter, at Best Fight Picks. You can check out my show, Half the Battle, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. And, I mean, what I want to do with Half the Battle is just, you know, obviously we have these talks with, you know, the most insightful minds in the MMA game talking about the fights, but then I also talk to the fighters themselves and try to get the insight, you know, try to ask them the questions that no one else asks, try to be entertaining and in-depth. I want you to feel like you got to know these guys after you heard my interviews with them. So, you know, if you feel that way, let me know. If not, let me know what I can improve. You know, I'm always trying to get better at what I do, and that's the bottom line. So, you know, thank you guys again for joining me, and uh, until the next time, enjoy the fights, and rest in peace, Joao Carvalho.